for a time, I suppose. Welcome to Watchmen Minute, where we're discussing the movie Watchmen from 2009 by Zack Snyder, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash. My name is Travis Bow from the Real Comic Heroes podcast. And I'm Harper Harris from the Thing Minute podcast. Hey, you made it back, Harper. Glad to have you. Yeah, I had to uh, jump up some some uh, stairs and take a grappling hook, but I made it. <laughs> <laughs> so today is Wednesday and it is week 28. Week? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, very good. Taking it real slow. Minute 28. Like Godfather Minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Minute 28 starts with Rorschach's journal voice over, talking about the various heroes' post-heroic activities, and ends with him walking towards a glowing blue room. Hmm. What's in there? <laughs> We'll never They're solve it. Here. <laughs> so I had uh, in my notes that I guess this is this is pretty close to what's in the comic for the most part, um, and that really, I think uh, Snyder smartly took this this short piece of uh, voiceover and made the opening credits of the movie out of most of this. Um, oh yeah, which is maybe my favorite part of the whole movie actually, um, mm. just because I mm. I. I love how it kind of sets up the whole world and and the visual style of the whole thing very quickly and um, in an interesting way. It just feels very that that part feels very, very authentic, even though it's stuff that you don't necessarily see in the comic. To me, that's probably the most successful thing that he added to the to the story was kind of the way he visually portrayed that stuff. And uh, yeah, and also I wanted to bring up that what he all the stuff he's talking about here is kind of the main subject matter in the um before watchmen minutemen book which yeah. um i adore i've also been reading it and yeah it's it's a gorgeous book with uh, darwin cook's artwork and everything yeah one of my all-time favorite uh, artists and unfortunately that passed away a few years ago but um yeah yeah uh I liked a fair amount of the Before Watchmen stuff, but Minutemen definitely stands out as to me being the definitive kind of like, you know, extra. If you're going to take one piece of extra stuff outside of the original Watchmen comic and kind of include that in the canon, that would be that would probably get my vote above yeah. anything anything else that's ever been put out. Yeah, I've I've kind of been treating it as canon as well um, with some of the previous episodes talking about some of the characters before you know obviously before Watchmen so. Yeah, it it feels to me like when you read it, it just feels like it it truly is a part of this this world. So, yeah, it ma- matches the not only matches kind of the the storyline and, and kind of fits in in a really interesting way and adds some really interesting stuff to the mythos that that really thematically makes sense and adds a lot to the universe. But it also is very like it's very authentic in the language of how the original comic was written and, and drawn to it. Um, you know, he's. Cook was a was a brilliant cartoonist and was definitely able to kind of capture the same style that Moore and Gibbons did, I think. So what follows the statement about uh, where Rorschach talks about them being uh, active, healthy, without personality disorders, you know, the, the, the following stuff about the personality disorders is interesting when you remember that Rorschach has his own moral compass you know, and everyone here he talks about, you know, to him, they're the ones with the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he refuses to accept the fact that Silk Spectre or Night Owl have, like, earned their retirement or their uh, golden years, you know. Um, 
You know, he, he calls out Night Owl for running an auto repair shop, and he calls Silk Spectre a bloated aging whore dying in a California rest resort. And it's like, I mean, it's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> uh, it's weird that he, he – it's not weird, it, but just the fact that he can't accept that people can walk away from the life of adventuring or crime fighting. You know, to him, there's only one way to end, and that's – that's when you die. So, but you should still be fighting up until that point, I guess. Um, because as we know with Rorschach, like everything is, is black or white. You know, there's no gray gray area. You would think that he would respect someone like Night Owl for you know, being a cop and being a, a hero and that kind of thing. But it seems like he's kind of shitting on him a little bit for you know retiring and running a an auto repair shop. Yeah, and uh, it's it's. I think it's pretty funny to hear Rorschach unironically, uh, you know, kind of make fun of the fact that everybody else has personality disorders. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, for obvious reasons, he uh, he seems to be the prime <laughs> candidate there, and and especially given his, uh, you know, his choice of costume and name is yeah, yeah. pretty connected to that. <laughs> yeah. Pot meat kettle. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I thought it was interesting. I never, it never really occurred to me or maybe it didn't. I've just kind of forgotten about it. That just how like, th- this is the scene that I think early in the week I said that there's some reasons to not like Rorschach. He's yeah. um, not only he's, he's just mean, but he's like, there's a lot of scenes, both in the comic and the movie where he gets pretty borderline misogynist. Um, and this seems to be definitely one of them. The whole like, um, the whole aging horror thing. Like he never, he doesn't seems like he doesn't really respect any women at all. Um, yeah. And it, I thought it was interesting too, that they, it seems like they push, try to push that even further in the movie because they add an extra line about the silhouette, like in the, in the comic, right. I think he just says, you know, she was murdered um, after she, shortly after retiring in disgrace. But in the movie, he says a victim of her own indecent lifestyle. Like he's, you know, mm-hmm. kind of shaming her. Yeah, that's always a line that sticks out to me too. That that kind of clues you into and you know helps you remember that Rorschach's a real piece of shit. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> yeah, think exactly. he tends to be on top of uh, people's like favorite Watchmen character lists, but you know he's got no time for diversity. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's he's a fun character. He's you know really interesting, but you know he's he's got his own set of morals, and you know they they don't. Uh, they don't line up with uh, with me too often. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, obviously, that's part of the the joy of reading Watchmen or watching Watchmen. Oh yeah. That, you know the the these characters are not all like they're very very different from each other. Um, yeah. I mean, just looking at you know Rorschach's worldview versus Doctor Manhattan's worldview have literally nothing in common. I mean, not just just not even just you know politically or or the way they look at gender or anything like that, but just looking at uh how they view human beings and uh, as a whole is like, could not be more opposite. Yeah. Well, did you also say uh, something about uh, you thought the supernatural kind of thing would, would come back too? Yeah. Just that um, this minute, maybe. Yeah. Just the way he jumps up those, yeah. those l- ladders and stairs and stuff is like borderline in human. <laughs> it's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It looks oh, totally yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I think that's, it's a nice setup because it is, you know, obviously they're just kind of buying time to have this voiceover read out of or something interesting, but um, it works because it definitely sets up 
you know, kind of his abilities that he's not just a, you know, kind of a, a crackpot or whatever. Um, he's also, you know, extremely fit and, you Mm -hmm. know, can kind of is stealthy and all that stuff too. It's, it's definitely his Batman moment and here. And then later on, I think the, with the whole, when he gets captured is pretty close (laughs) to a Batman moment too. Yeah. I want to say in the, in the book and like the psych profile, maybe that they have, or maybe I'm thinking of in the uh, the film companion. Hmm. They mentioned something about him having like an aptitude for uh, acrobatics, so he's very like almost cat like. You know, he can kind of spring around and and you know jump around or whatever. So, um, but yeah, visually this sequence is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like it, it hits enough of those little touchstones from the book, but the this page, I mean, it's it's one page over the book and it's only like eight of those nine panels kind of that were covered here once we see the the Rockefeller sign until he's like approaching that blue light so i think the the areas that that Snyder chose like fill in between the those gaps you know they're not really in the book but they they complement the book you know it doesn't seem like they're they don't fit with the tone or with the style that they're going for and yeah, I think it just the lighting, everything just looks so great with uh especially, you know, he's running around the rain that it's hard not to look epic and <laughs> and everything when you're posing in front of rain with lightning and everything. So, my mind instantly goes to the Dark Knight Returns when you see him kind of posing in front of that lightning. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a, a nice callback and I think it's a this whole setup is a nice like um it's kind of a good combination of kind of classic Batman action, but also it reminds me a lot of like kind of those more classic um, heroes, like the spirit or something like that, where you okay. have, you know, kind of a detective character. That's also mm. kind of like borderline superhumanly able to kind of jump across rooftops and chase the bad guys and that kind of thing. It's kind of interesting that he doesn't engage any of the, you know, he doesn't take out any of the guards. He doesn't have to, you know, knock anybody out or anything like that. He's just able to sneak around and avoid detection and everything. That's kind of cool. Again, pretty lax security here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Bre- breaking the window of the door, like, yeah. you know, as the guards walk away and they're just like, uh, I didn't hear anything, did you? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think you could be right. Um, kind of earlier you'd said that, you know, they are guarding, in quotes, Dr. Manhattan. So how many people do you really need on this base to serve as guards? So <laughs> it's probably it probably is more to keep them in or to keep tabs on them, you know, staying inside the base than than any keeping anyone out. So Yeah, obviously if um if Dr. Manhattan didn't want Vorschach to get in, he probably would not have got in. Right. Um, so we, yeah, we see the, uh, the door says special talent quarters, which is kind of a, an interesting kind of euphemism for, you know, the super powered being and his girlfriend. <laughs> special talent. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Not, not as cool as like superhero quarters, but yeah, <laughs> it's sufficiently, you know, government, you know, uh, I don't know, governmental language, I guess, um, and I did kind of look up, like, I just, uh, very, very surface level uh, research, um, trying to find Rockefeller Military Research Center, and it, it appears that it's completely made up for the book, and obviously now for the movie, like, it doesn't, you know, everything I found led back to the 
comic or the mm-hmm. movie. So, um, and it is meant to be a secret facility. So even if there truly is this uh, research center, then uh, we might not know about it. So. <laughs> but somehow Alan Moore did. <laughs> uh, he's he's a witch. He, he's That's a true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just thinking <laughs> thinking about special talent quarters makes me wonder if there are other rooms in this building that have like. You know the be- the world's best juggler, or like you know, <laughs> somebody riding a unicycle. <laughs> yeah. So so in your mind, the government's putting together a circus, <laughs> something like that. Sure, <laughs> I can Special buy it. Talent. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. You have to uh, go. You know, a, a juggling competition with the Russians that defined the world. <laughs> I like it. And so you said special talent quarters is what's is the sign on the door that he breaks, and uh, and what then what Rorschach says in his journal, in our voiceover here is uh, private quarters. So just much simpler and straightforward to understand. I think. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. quite, you know, watching it as a whole movie versus the minute by minute. Mm. Yeah. It's much simpler. Yeah. There was a line there about um, kind of. I guess kind of a holdover from his previous uh, bashing all the other members um, talking about a- Adrian Veidt, possible mm-hmm. homosexual, must investigate further and do what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's going to seduce uh, Adrian. Uh, maybe, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I don't think he's wrong necessarily um, in that previous, uh, I guess, two minutes ago. There's a there's a look and a vibe that I get from Adrian and Dan that um, I'm kind of into. I, I kind of like their bond, or I like their maybe back history having you know maybe a relationship. Like I can kind of see it. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what uh, Rorschach plans to do with that information. So, well, and, and, and you know, it's all about the times. I mean, got, the movie was made sure. in 2008, actually, probably ish. <laughs> Yeah. Um came out in oh nine. Um and, and, and it's but it's set in the set in the eighties and you know it's just it's just such it's such a different time. Yeah. Uh so so the must investigate further for then, I think, would definitely go down the road of you know, uh even even though at that point, you know, certainly it wasn't as bad as say like in, in uh Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh not not necessarily even then, but at least a couple decades earlier. Where I mean, it was outlawed. It was straight up outlawed. Sure. Yeah, we we talked a fair amount about that on 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 the thing minute too about just how mm. the that the movie can be read as kind of a metaphor for for uh, the AIDS crisis and, and oh how, yeah how people were kind of viewing how it was affecting the the homosexual community and everything. So right, yeah, it was definitely a big problem in the eighties that you know mm. the way people viewed viewed gay people. Yeah. And so that kind of goes back to what I was saying about, you know, Rorschach's not a great guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's he's cool to watch and everything, and he's, you know, um, but deep down, like, his, you know, yeah, he's he's kind of a jerk, so. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, I was trying to think of, uh, I know there's been a lot, a lot of kind of think pieces written about Alan Moore's kind of, uh, the way he writes uh, female characters is kind of troublesome. Sure. Um, certainly, uh Rape seems to be like his go-to thematic device uh, yeah. for everything, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't remember. I was trying to think of any kind of gay characters in his work and how he kind of writes writes that, but I can't think of any right now. Mm. Yeah, I think he seems to any gay characters seem to be 
written as as if they you know are deviants almost like he's got uh what's his name captain metropolis and hooded justice in this are gay and they're you know in a relationship and you know that's not like in the way it's presented it's not to be celebrated it's to be hidden and everyone else views them as perverts and that kind of thing so hmm. yeah so yeah <laughs> um let's see that kind of takes us to the end here i mean uh rorschach is approaching this blue light and says he shall go to them who's it gonna be yeah yeah i mean the blue light even comes out across the floor yeah cracked a cracked door yeah we've been really lucky with these minutes um so far we get a lot of good uh not cliffhanger endings but <laughs> a lot of our minutes tend to end like you know before a big reveal so um we'll have to find out what what that blue light's coming from tomorrow but harper what's your history with watchmen the book and or film yeah so um I've been a, a pretty big comic reader for a pretty long time since I was fairly young. And um, I kind of started, I kind of went backwards from the way a lot of people who are really into comics read like issues as a kid and then eventually kind of move up to reading graphic novels and stuff like that. But I, I got into it from the opposite direction with graphic novels as kind of where I started. And then from there kind of got into picking up comics on a weekly basis. And um, I don't remember exactly when I read Watchmen first, but it was definitely one of the earlier comics I read because you know it obviously Watchmen kind of um bridges that gap between you know comics and literature for a lot of people and so you know you'd see it on book lists and and in bookstores and stuff before you'd really start seeing a lot of other you know Batman and Superman and Marvel stuff but yeah um so I feel like it was probably one of the earlier uh you know kind of graphic novels I, I probably read and I was I loved it I was way way into it and um you know, it certainly was one of the things that kind of helped me really get into, into comics in general. Um, and yeah, with my history, I guess with the movie, I, um, I, it's, I don't know. I feel I have weird feelings about the movie, I guess, because I, I vividly remember probably my fondest memory about the movie was, um, when I saw the dark Knight uh, for the first time at the midnight screening was like one of the most exciting movie experiences of my life. It was just like, everything was kind of in the right place. I was, I was like exactly the right age and exactly, you know, I was super into Batman. And um, so that, that was a super amazing experience. And then we didn't know that they were going to show a Watchmen trailer before it. Like we had, we had sure. heard they were making a Watchmen movie, but we didn't know anything about it up to that point. Um, or I didn't anyways. And yeah. so seeing that trailer was like, I mean, me and my friends were like losing our minds. <laughs> um, sure. And that first you're already trailer, jazzed up about dark Knight, And then you get, yeah, that's oh, a great yeah. trailer. So yeah, that yes. would be enough to. Yeah, that first trailer with the Smashing Pumpkins remix and everything oh, was yeah. phenomenal. I mean, it's still still one of my favorite trailers just because it was such a such an exciting yeah. thing to see and be surprised about. But um, yeah, so I was obviously pretty excited about the movie, although I was kind of um, I was hesitant about it a little bit just because I know one of my all time favorite filmmakers is Terry Gilliam, who famously said that this that Watchmen could never be made into a movie. <laughs> uh, sure. Sure. Which, um, you know, uh, if, if I had my, my, uh, my way, I'd love to see a Terry Gilliam Watchmen. Oh, um, uh, wouldn't that be something to see? <laughs> yeah. He's given, given like, you know, his work on something like Brazil, 
makes it seem like he's the ideal person to do it. So having him say that it can't be done, I was, I was like, well, you know, I was a little skeptical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, I walked away from the movie. It was really odd. Cause I don't think I've ever had this, this kind of experience with anything else where like, I didn't really have any problems with it. Like I enjoyed it a lot and, and I, there was a lot about it to like, but I walked away thinking like, mm, I don't really know if I needed that. Like just cause in, in a lot of ways, aside from, you know, some of the changes we've talked about and, and obviously the big change of the ending. Um, it's so, you know, incredibly faithful to the look and, and feel and story of the book that I almost felt like it was unnecessary. Like, like I just didn't, I, I didn't, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but I was like, and you know, if, if I want to rewatch it, I'll probably just go read the comic. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so I've, I've since kind of, you know, I've rewatched it a few times and have come around a little bit more to enjoying it as its own kind of, you know, added piece to the Watchmen uh, supplemental stuff. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was really odd. I, I just remember walking out of the theater feeling kind of, you know, feeling a little weird about it. <laughs> it, it for a moment there, I was thinking the only way it could kind of be more faithful. And I think that could be a big part of what they're going to be doing with uh, uh, Damon Lindelof on HBO is, is having, you know, some of that back matter. Hmm. You know, having yeah. these other things, uh, you know, after the real story kind of happens in, yeah. in a TV show. Does any other TV show do anything quite like that? Hmm. Where, where they would have like some other, you know, like a couple minutes of yeah. of, a, of a of a part of a story <laughs> almost. <laughs> you know, what would be kind of cool is if each episode was like bookended by that like supplemental material in the in the ends of each issue so you know mm -hmm. the first episode would be hollis kind of not maybe narrating his under the hood chapter but like talking a lot about that and then it like kind of transitions or flash flashes back to you know this the content of the issue itself and then mm -hmm. towards the end it comes back you know to the to his you know under the hood chapter or whatever. And then if they found a way to kind of use that material as bookends for each episode, that could be kind of cool. Yeah. But it's still like, I don't know how they plan to stretch this out. Like if they intend to only make one season and make it like 12 episodes and do one issue per episode, like that's mm -hmm. great, you know, but if they plan to do this as, you know, open ended, like, you know, a couple seasons worth, like then, then, how do they how do they know how much to to include in each episode if they don't know how long the series is going to go you know hmm. so it's it's very interesting to find out um kind of what they're doing and i guess the production is kind of ramping up a little bit yeah. i haven't heard anything about casting yet but i well, think well that's that's the only thing i did hear about is that okay. just that, that they're i think they're putting out or, or casting calls are expected to okay. come out hmm. okay. soon here around the turn of the year I yeah. didn't even know they were doing that. That's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've oh. kind of been loosely following it. Um, yeah, it's been announced probably in the fall or maybe I yeah. forget when they announced. But, yeah, it's it's definitely something that we'll keep our eye on and, uh, yeah, looking forward. I think it will come out then in, like, 2019 or something like that. So hmm. it may be kind of what fills in the gap after uh, Game of Thrones wraps up. So yeah. that might be kind of the, their next big thing maybe. So. Kind of, it's, that's what makes me think that they'll want to continue it for multiple seasons. So, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so we will see on that. But anything else for uh, what minute twenty eight? Okay. Nope. All right. Then we will be back uh, for minute twenty nine. Who watches the Watchmen? We, we do. do. Watchmen are over. Kriegsminister. 